the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's gospel easily sounds like another lesson in generosity. Uh, to work without complaining, uh, to attend to others' physical needs and spiritual needs. To leave it at that would be to undermine its mystical purpose in the same way that last week's gospel about the Good Samaritan is not just about helping the poor and the sick, but tells the story of Christ rescuing us, rescuing the church from being left for dead and healing us with the sacraments represented by water and wine and bringing us into the church, our way station represented by the inn. Both this story in Luke, which is not a story but an actual event, as well as that which was told in the first reading from Genesis chapter 18, tell a much deeper story. Some of you know that this past Tuesday, I was invited to speak at Temple Rodef Shalom, which is over on Westmoreland Street. They have a series this summer on different religions. The week before, there was someone representing the Baha'i faith, and then this week, there is a Baptist minister uh, speaking to them. After addressing a number of the distinctive uh, features of Christian faith, namely how we come to have this faith, how we come to trust the apostles and what they proclaim about our Lord resurrecting from the dead because they didn't hide, they weren't afraid of the world, they went to all corners of the world, they were known for their charity and their generosity and their willingness to suffer and ultimately paid with their death. We believe them in their proclaiming that Jesus really did die and actually did rise from the dead. If it hadn't happened, they'd just go back to a regular way of life. And because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, we proclaim his divinity, that he really is God. And understanding that he is God, not fully, but enough, to know that he is God, not just man, then Christians are brought into this mystery of believing in God as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all the ramifications that go with it. The questions that came back were fascinating, and, and they ranged from, um, since all of us monotheists proclaim one God, Jews, Christians, Muslims, do we all pray to the same God? The implication that being that Jews and Christians certainly do. To another questioner whose insight was that, well, Muslims and Jews really are serious about proclaiming one God. And I think they have more in common than you polytheist Christians do. He didn't use the word polytheist, but that was the implication. It's wonderfully refreshing for us to be reminded of how unique and how impossible this faith is. Philosophers and wise people would be able to deduce the Ten Commandments, the golden rule, love God, worship God, treat each other as equals, that didn't need to be revealed, but it was revealed so everyone could know it. But no one on earth, not the, the wisest mystic nor, nor the most intelligent philosopher, would ever be able to guess and figure out that God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a mystery which is revealed to us. 
deliberately revealed to us by God, not just by our Lord's words and actions, but by the assistance of grace to help us internally to to see this mystery. To have it not just as a thought, but as knowledge. Knowledge based on the trustworthy witness of the one who reveals it. Interestingly enough, after the question and answer session, one of the people there even brought up how Christians read the book of Genesis, especially the first account of creation in Genesis 1, and recognize a glimpse of this trinity that we profess. Chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Let us make man in our image. For thousands of years, anyone reading this would simply assume that God is being portrayed as speaking in the royal we, the way kings and queens and popes would speak in the first person plural. But having received the definitive revelation that comes in Christ Jesus, we can look back and recognize something far more profound, just hidden in the text. Even more profound is what we heard in today's first reading in Genesis chapter 18. The section of it that we heard, which is from verse 1 to 10a, meaning the first half of verse 10, um, Proceeds like this. The Lord appeared to Abraham. Looking up, Abraham saw three men standing nearby. He saw them, greeted them. Bowing to the ground, he said, Sir, if I may ask you this favor, please do not go on past your servant. And then proceeds the description of, of all the hospitality that Abraham and Sarah shower upon these three visitors. In the end... They asked, where is your wife, Sarah? Abraham said, she's in the tent. And one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will then have a son. We can continue, we should continue to read. This is in chapter 18, and I'll pick up at verse 10b, the second half of verse 10. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you in the spring, and Sarah shall have a son, he says a second time. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. (laughs) To hear more about this, to reflect on, and even to see the beautiful sacred art that um, meditates on this episode, just look up Abraham and three visitors, and you'll see centuries of Christian thought and meditation, recognizing in this beautiful, simple scene 
not just simply Abraham and Sarah being very generous to three holy men and being promised a great, uh, a great blessing, but they're being visited by God. Some mystics have, have thought that this is God and two angels, and others recognize in here the mystery of actually the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit visiting Abraham and Sarah. We shouldn't pass over things like this too easily. And we shouldn't think that our, our faith in the Trinity is either just impossible to figure out, so I'm just going to accept it and move along, nor just, just simple and obvious because, well, I've always believed that. And so, yes, of course it's true. Neither of those take this divine mystery very seriously. Rather, it is humbling to know that God wants us to know what is impossible for us to figure out. He wants us to know and become part of his interior life, of ever unfolding eternal love without beginning and without end. Those who, who are captured by this mystery will want to think about nothing else and will want to converse with no one else. They will be the ones who will respond to this grace and realize that God is inviting everyone to a mystical life and really is genuinely inviting everyone to explore the possibility of a celibate life, of remaining with God alone, really of, of directing our minds only to him to the degree that it's possible in a world where we still have to eat and, and pay taxes and do other things. And to speak only with him to the degree that's possible in a world where we still have to be kind to our neighbor and take care of the sick when they knock on the door. This life of continuous meditation and contemplation begins with every believer recognizing that they have been visited by God. Think of St. Paul being thrown to the ground when all of a sudden God is speaking to him directly. If we get too overwhelmed or even confused by this, we can put the pieces back together and be reminded that I believe in the Trinity because I, am, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is God because I know for a historical fact that he rose from the dead because I believe the apostles for the same reason that people will believe or will not believe us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.